0: great. It's good to be here this morning. As you can tell by my accent, I'm not British. I'm an African. I'm from South Africa, Cape Town. And uh, any Africans here this morning? Yeah. Viva Africa! Yeah. I love cricket. Isn't cricket a great sport? Uh, shall we talk cricket quickly? What's the score now? How many? You're nine down or something like that? Facing an innings defeat in Johannesburg. I've just lost the crowd now. I I was going so well. I've just lost them. Anyway, but it's good to see you all this morning. Yeah, I'm up from Norwich. I run a church called ECC, which is an Assembly of God church. We're affiliated sort of in part of the Hillsong Network and part of the Eurolead Network, which is a network of progressive and forward-thinking churches across Europe. And we're just excited what God's doing there. We sort of Right about the 200 mark over two meetings in Norwich, and uh, we are a a multi-generational church. We are a multi-racial, multi-ethnic church as well. We hit the headlines recently in the local newspapers. We've got 23 different nations represented in our church. Almost every country in Africa is represented there, from Ghana, Nigeria, Cameroon, Zimbabwe, South Africa, Tanzania, Uganda, Congo. They're all there, as well as people from... um, We've got someone from Cambodia, from North Korea, South Korea. And so we are a multiracial, multigenerational and really excited church for what Jesus is doing. And, um, I just love coming to preach in other people's churches and you've got a, you've got such a great vibe here. Yeah. Now let me just get one thing straight. I want to hear a lot of amens. I'm an African and I don't do quiet church. Hello. Because if you're all quiet while I'm preaching, I get discouraged and I start bumbling and you're here till two o'clock, I promise you. But you give me amens and praise the Lord's. You stand a good chance of being out here by midday, all right? Amen. Don't push it now, all right? Okay. But seriously, good to be here. I'm married to Janica. We've been married for 17 and a half years, and, which is incredible considering I'm only 22 years old. Um, I'm not. I'm double that. I've got two sons, aged 12 and 9, and uh, we all, we just love England. We've been here for sort of five and a half, going on six years now. We love the United Kingdom. This is where God called us to. We were in the ministry for nine years in Cape Town, and, and God said, "Are you up for an adventure?" And He said to us, "Sell your house, sell your cars, sell everything, and then I'll tell you where to go." And so it was terrifying, but we did it, and God led us to Norwich. And that's where we are and God's doing something amazing amongst the people there in Norwich. The church of God is very much alive in Norwich. There's a lot of unity amongst the churches there. Is this fresh water? Is this okay? Was this put out last week, two weeks ago? It's kind of. You've got to be careful of pulpit water. Because sometimes it grows its own ecosystem. Smith Wigglesworth drank this, says Pete. All right. I survived the first mouthful. I want to do a bit of preaching this morning on the subject of failure. Now that might sound like a really dreary subject. (laughs) I've called my my sermon, Failing Forward, and there we have it up there. And uh, this is actually part of a a four-part series which we've done. You can pick up the other parts of it on the website, on the the, the webcast, if you want to go and check that out. You can download that also on iTunes if you want to go and have a look at the other parts of the series, if this kind of impacts you. But I'm... what I want to say right from the outset this morning, a kind of a declaration to the discouraged. I don't know if any of you have ever been discouraged. I have. I don't know if any of you have ever felt that you've blown it, that you've, sort of, you've worn out your last chance with God. Ever been there? Yeah? I've been there and back a thousand times. But I want to give a declaration to the discouraged this morning. To everyone here who has ever failed at anything. Who has ever done something where they wish they could turn back the clock and redo it? Huh? Been there? To anyone who has ever felt the pain of messing up? I want to tell you this morning, failure is not terminal. Failure is not the end. It will not kill you. Failure is not terminal. Failure is not death and it is not irrecoverable, and it is not the end of your life. I don't care what has failed in your life, if it's your business, if it's a marriage, if it's a relationship, if it's your finances, whatever it is, if it's your faith that has failed, I'm telling you now that it is not the end of your life. There is a whole lot more that's going to come out of your life. Failure is a part of life. It is a component of our lives to the point that I can tell you that no success is ever possible without failure. Does that sound a bit crazy to you? No success is ever possible without failure. I'll tell you the story of a man who in 1816, at the age of seven, was forced out of his family home. In 1818, his mother died when he was nine years old. In 1831, he lost his first job. In 1832, he lost another job. However, he decided that he was going to go into politics, and he ran for the state legislature, which is like local government in America, and he was defeated for legislature in 1832. In 1833, his business failed. In 1834, he was elected to the state legislature. In 1835, his fiancée died, and as a result of that, in 1836, he suffered a complete and total nervous breakdown. In 1838, he was defeated while he was running to be the Speaker of the House, which is quite a prominent position in Parliament. He was defeated for that. In 1843, five years later, he was defeated in his nomination for Congress, in 1846, he was elected to Congress and in 1848, he lost his renomination to Congress. In 1849, he ran for land officer and he failed. He was rejected. He ran for Senate in, 18, in 1854 and he was defeated. He then ran for the nomination for Vice President in 1856 and he was defeated. In 1858, he decided to run for Senate again and he failed. However, in 1860, he was elected president of the United States of America. His name was Abraham Lincoln. Because he didn't give up. (laughs) He never gave up when he failed. And failure will, will propel you forward. Let me tell you this right now. God has got a plan for your life. We know that. The Satan has also got a plan for your life. devil's got a plan for your life. Okay? But the worst thing that the devil can do is to sell you directly into the purposes of God. He thought he had Jesus nailed to the cross. He thought, well, that's it. I've got rid of him. But what he didn't realize is he was putting Jesus directly into the eternal purposes of God. And he was defeated because of what he did. Hello? Come on. 1 Peter 5, verse 5. I'm going to read that to you right now. 1 Peter 5, verse 5. He says there, and you who are m- younger must follow your leaders. That's a message for you. Follow your leaders in this church. I had a great evening with them last night. We ate some very, very hot Indian... Very, I paid the price later on, I will tell you that. It was really good. you got good leaders in this church, okay? And the way you honor God is very often reflected in the way you honor the man of God, all right? So if you give the man of God a hard time, it usually means you don't think much of God, all right? So get behind your leaders and follow them. But all of you, leaders and followers alike, are to be down to earth with each other, for God has had it with the proud, But he takes delight in just plain people. So be content with who you are and don't put on airs. God's strong hand is on you and he will promote you at the right time. Hello. How many of you are waiting for God's intervention in your life? You've been waiting and you've been waiting and you've been trusting and you've been waiting and you're saying, I've got to do something. I'm going to have to start pounding on doors. The Bible says that God will do it in the right time. The Bible also says that Jesus was born in the fullness of time. Because you see, when time has reached its fullness, that is when things are ready and when things are right and God is preparing you right now, you have not been hidden away from God. You are hidden for God. There's a difference. You're not hidden from God, you're hidden for God. And He's growing you and He's maturing you and He's bringing you to a point where what He's got for you is something you're going to be able to cope with. if If all the promises of God that are resting over your life life right now suddenly came into being you might not be ready for it like the prodigal son who wanted an inheritance that he wasn't yet mature enough to cope with and he got it all and he blew it because he didn't have the wherewithal to cope with it so God is doing something step by step and stage by stage in your life hello cool live carefree before God he is most careful with you keep a cool head stay alert The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. Think you're going through hard times? You're not the only ones that are going through hard times. Just watch the news and see other people that are going through hard times right now. Keep your guard up. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on the faith. The suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God, who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, will have you put together and on your feet for good. He gets the last word. Yes, he does. Hello. Yes, he does. Listen here. The recession is not going to get the last word. Satan is not going to get the last word in your marriage. He's not going to get the last word in your finances. God gets the last word. No matter what gets flung at us, Jesus gets the last word. It's time to get real, church. It's time to get rid of the pompous assumptions that we are better than each other, that we have made it. We are all, to some degree or another, a failure. Yeah? But when you get your head around the fact that failure is not the end, you'll see that if correctly managed, failure is a springboard to success. It's a springboard to overcoming. It's a springboard to victory. It's a springboard to strength. It's a springboard to glory. And Jesus gets the glory because he's the only one who took the shame of our failures on the cross. He's already carried the shame of our failures. Why are you carrying it again? You can't carry the same thing twice. When, when, you know, when the bloke with the, the Tesco delivery van shows up at our place, praise God for deliveries. Hello? I don't have to carry the, the stuff anymore. When my wife's been shopping, there's a man who gets paid to do that. And he brings it to our door. He doesn't then take it all back to the van and do it again. But we do that in our lives all the time. We're carrying the shame of a sin that we committed way back there. And Jesus is saying, but I've nailed that to the cross. Why are you carrying it again? Oh, but back in 1988, I blew it so badly. Jesus is saying, listen, stop ripping things off the cross. I've put it up there. It's dead. It's gone. Stop living in the past. The jacket is coming off. The jacket is coming off. Everyone say, "Woo!" <laughs> right. He took the let me Let me tell you this. Jesus took the agony of every humiliation and of every embarrassment and of every shameful event. And he put it on his own shoulders on Calvary so that you and me can walk free. <laughs> what a deal. <laughs> every mess up. Every embarrassment at school and every cringeworthy thing that you've said to people. And you say, oh man, if I could just, if life was just like a big computer and I could go back to that file and hit the delete button, mate, I would so do that. But it isn't. Huh? free without the weight of failure on our backs and free in the knowledge that we are the righteousness of God. We are not the failure of God. We are the redeemed of God. Hello. And the Bible says the redeemed of the Lord shall return. In other words, he draws us to himself. He doesn't send us away. The Bible says that the church will arise and his enemies will be scattered but the redeemed will return. We are that. We are the redeemed of God which means we've been bought at a price. You know the problem is we tend to focus on the failure and not the final outcome. It's human nature. It comes to the reality that life is lived forwards, but understood backwards. Life is lived forwards, but it's understood backwards. What it basically means, because the spirit of confusion has descended upon the church right now, (laughs) is that we're living in that direction and you're saying, God, why am I going through this? Why the agony? Why the pain? Why the illness? Why the depression? Why the struggle in my marriage? Why the finances? Why this? Why Why did my last exam not work out? Why didn't I get that promotion? I'm living my life forward. But let me tell you this. There is a future that you're going to get to. And when you get to that point, you're going to turn around and you're going to look at your life that you've come up on and you're going to say, I understand. I've got it. Now I know I had to go through that agony to build up some spiritual muscle because there's a big thing that I'm having to face now. And if I didn't go through that two, three years ago, I wouldn't be able to cope with what I'm going through now. Every single test of your faith is another little bit of weight that's being packed on to the end of those barbells and you're pushing that weight, you're bench pressing it in the gym of your life. And you're saying, oh, this is hard, this is hard. But the more a guy that's doing this weightlifting, the more he does that, the easier it gets. He says, hold on a moment. This is easy. I'm pressing 50 kg. This is not a problem. Puts the thing back and he packs some more weights on the end. And suddenly there's extra resistance. And he's saying, I don't understand this. Why is it so hard? Well, hold on a moment. I can do this. And that's what God's doing in our lives all the time. He's packing on a little bit more resistance. Why? Because he hates you? Because he's cross with you? No. He loves you and he wants you to be stronger. That's it. I mean, it's as simple as that. Every test... If your faith is an act of love of God's saying this so much more that I'm going to get out of you, there's more to you than you've ever realized. There's more to you, there's more in, more to your life than you've ever realized. But you know, in order to draw all of that out, God's not going to put you in the garden, He's going to put you in the desert, He's going to put you in the desert. Because it's in the desert where trees send down deep, deep roots to find the water. And you say, God, what is, I'm going to have to fast and I'm going to have to pray. And I'm going to have to rebuke the spirit of deserts. And I'm going to have to get my life group, my home group praying for me. And I'll phone the prayer chain if you've got one or whatever. And I'm going to get people interceding to get me out of this. And God's saying, why? I put you there. This is an act of love. I'm, I'm doing this to make you stronger, to make you better. Every hard time is there to build spiritual muscle. If you agree with me, say something. Yeah. We are so failure fearful that every time we do not succeed at something, we take a mental photograph of it. Click. And we save that file. We print it out. And we take that picture of our failure. And we slap it on the fridge and stick a fridge magnet on it. Praise God for fridge magnets. And you stick that thing up on the fridge And every time you want to step out in faith and do something for God, you wander past that picture and you see it again and you say, Oh, I remember the failure. Oh, I remember the last time that I messed up. I'm going back to bed. (laughs) Yeah? And we don't do it because we've taken that picture. Every time you try to do something new, gather up the courage to step out again, you walk past that picture of your failure and there it is. It's mocking you. It's reminding you of things in the past. And instead of putting your victories up there, we always put our failures up there, and you dash back and get under the covers. Just look at the life of Joseph in the Bible. His brothers hate him. Fail. He gets beat up by his brothers. Fail. He gets sold into slavery. Fail. He gets framed by Potiphar's wife. Fail. He gets sent to jail unjustly. Epic fail, as my son would say. Every time I make a mistake, dad, epic fail. He says it a lot. Forgotten in prison by Pharaoh's butler, fail. Called from his cell to be second in charge of Egypt, success. <laughs> But he had to go through the fail, 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 because there was building something in him. Where until it got to the point where God said, no longer hidden from me, hidden for me, fullness of time, come out, stand up and do what it, what it is that you are called to do. But it takes time. It takes time. And it's all in God's timing. If Joseph had given up at all the other fail points, the historical landscape of Israel and Egypt would look vastly different right now. God had to get a man into Egypt. Because there was a famine coming... Generations to come, there was going to be a famine coming. He had to get a man into Egypt. How is he going to do it? I'm going to take Joseph because he's got the wherewithal. He's got the vision. He's got, the, he's got the, the strategy. This is a man. I've got to get him into Egypt. How am I going to do it? Well, by the time he gets into Egypt, he needs to be a chief strategizer. He needs to be a thinker. So I'm going to have to put him through stuff that's going to cause him to do that. So I'm going to cause these brothers to sell him to slavery. I'm going to cause him to work in part of his house and get framed. I'm going to cause him to be forgotten in a prison cell. And all the time we would say, but where's God in all that? Oh, God was there and Joseph survived that. You might say, where was God when I was being abused? Where was where was God in that time when, when I was growing up in an abusive home? Where was God? He was there and here you are now. You survived it. You've got the scars to prove it. But i tell you what, those scars are your spiritual authority. Every trial you go through leaves a scar. Your scars are your spiritual authority. And Satan hates your scars because it means that you survived the attack. It means that you survived it. You got through it. You lived to tell the tale. Now you stand up in front of other people and you tell them that you survived and you made it through. Satan hates that. He thought he had you down. He thought when your husband walked out on you or he thought when, when something bad happened, your business went bankrupt, he thought he had you down. But you got up again and he can't handle that. You got up and you lived to fight another day and you gave praise to Jesus. How can you do a thing like that when your life is caving in around you? i tell you why. Because you said it this morning, the promises of God are yes and amen. And you might be going through difficult times now. But it's like what Jesus said at Lazarus' death. He said, this will not end in death. It'll end in life. What you're going through right now will end in life. Jesus gets the last word. Jesus gets the last word. The Problem is, from childhood, we all grow up with the wrong understanding of failure. From childhood, we are hardwired to see failure as a mark on an exam paper, a yes or a no from an authority figure, an inclusion or not in a, in a sports team, an acceptance or a rejection. That's how we classify failure, all right? But if we define failure as an event that defines us, we will stop and we will not experience the wisdom that can be acquired in the failure. Let me say that again. If failure happens to you, and you say, well, I am now defined by that failure. In other words, I'm no longer Paddy the nice guy. I'm now Paddy the failure. I'm Paddy the failed businessman. I'm Paddy the failed preacher. I'm Paddy the failed football player. I'm Paddy the bankrupt. Whatever. But we we do that to ourselves. We call ourselves names. We label ourselves. So when the situation comes around again to break through that, you say, but hold on a moment. I can't do that because I am Paddy the failure. (laughs) Don't we do that? And we've got this dialogue that goes on in our heads that runs ourselves down. We need to switch that dialogue off and say, you know who I am? I am the redeemed of the Lord. I'm a blood-bought child of the living God. And this will not end in death. We, we, we need to understand when failure comes, there is a lesson that has to be learned in the failure. Do not allow a failure to go by without learning the lesson that was supposed to be in that. Otherwise, it's going to have to happen again for you to learn the lesson. Okay? Now, we need to know that it is okay to fail. Church should be a soft place to fall. It's something that I say back at home church. I say this place is a soft place to fall. You make mistakes, we will look after you. We'll pick you up again. If a rebuke is needed, you're going to get one. If discipline is needed, you're going to get that as well. But we're not here to snuff out smoldering wicks. We're not here to to trash you. We are here to establish you in the kingdom of God. And if something goes wrong, this is a soft place to fall. If your marriage is in trouble, let us know so that we can step in. We can do something. If your business is in trouble, do some, you know, We will get behind you. We will do what we can. Church has got to be a soft place to fall. It doesn't mean that church must be soft on sin. I don't believe that. But we need to be a soft place to fall where people can come in and say, I can fail in this place and it's going to be okay. I can fail in this place. I've got a team of young guys that I'm mentoring, about five of them. And they're guys that I'm giving them opportunities to like lead worship, and I allow them to do the hosting of, of the meetings and that kind of stuff. And, and um, one of them got up one morning, and he was extremely nervous. And, and, and he kind of blew it. He wouldn't mind me saying that because he, he knew that he did. And, and he forgot what to say, and he bumbled what he, what he did say and, and all that. And my response was, I took him aside, and I said, you're doing it again next week. I didn't even mention that morning because it's pointless saying to somebody, hey, you failed. He knew. It's like when you're at Lord's in the cricket and there's one catch that's got to be taken to win the game, and in front of 10,000 people, you drop the catch. You don't then need your team coming after you and saying, hey, you dropped the catch. Hey, you dropped a catch. I know, thank you, cameras everywhere, people. I know I dropped the catch, okay? When people fail, they know it. You don't have to phone them up and say, hey, you failed. (laughs) You know? Let's get behind people and let them know that this is a soft place to fall. I just went up to this blog and said, you're doing it again next week. I didn't say another word. and He said are you sure? I said, I'm absolutely sure you're doing it next week. And he did do it the next week and he got it right because it was a soft place to fall and failure will breed success. Okay? If you only ever saw Jesus on the cross, you would have called his life a failure. But three days later when he had smashed death and conquered hell and defeated sin, he was anything but a failure. But that's what we do. We see failure as a snapshot isolated event and we give up. We don't see the result of it. Life is lived forwards, it's understood backwards you're going through something now that you do not understand but if you persevere and persevere and persevere which brings about godly character, you're in the future, I promise you what you're going through now is going to make sense I promise you that, it's going to make sense We give up, we forget that while the failure has happened, there is a bigger plan being served and a new opportunity is already opening up. Look at what he says in Philippians there. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances, whether you're going through success or going through failure, be content. Be um, content with your circumstance. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? What are you going through right now? You're going to get through it, not on your own strength. It has come to pass. It has not come to stay. It has come to pass. And it's going to, you're going to learn some lessons from it while it's happening. But failure is not terminal. I have learned to be content in every circumstance, the apostle Paul's saying here. That's quite something when you consider that he's writing this from jail. Hello? He's writing this letter in jail. All right. You know what it means when he says, I've learned to be content in every circumstance. It means in success and in failure, we need to be content. Why? Because everything you do will have an element of failure in it. My marriage is a successful marriage right now, but I have failed my wife on occasion. She has failed me on occasion. In other words, we haven't lived up to expectations. We've sorted things out, you know, but I'm in a very strong marriage, All right, I have probably failed my children a thousand times over. But I'm a great dad, I know I am. I have failed in the ministry, I have let people down, I have caused people to maybe leave the church and say, you know, that guy is a real numpty. You know, he just doesn't care, he doesn't he didn't say the right thing at the right time to me. Well, you know what? I'm a human being, I'm gonna fail people. I've probably made wrong decisions in my leadership of the church. I have failed God. Again and again and again and again. And so many times I've said, God, what are you doing with me in the ministry? You got the wrong guy. But you know what? The failure has just made me stronger. Has made me come back better every time. You know? Paul was a serial failure. I mean, look at his life. The Apostle Paul. Disasters, rejections, stonings, floggings, persecutions, Jail. I mean, how much worse can you get? This is like being kicked when you're down. He's on a ship on his way to jail, and the ship sinks. <laughs> you know? I mean, hello, insult to injury. He then drifts ashore on a, on, on a, on a plank, and what does he do as soon as he gets there? Snake jumps out and bites him. It's like, hello, is there anything else you'd like to do to me? Here I am, have a shot. You know, have you ever felt like that? It's like one thing after another. But what does Paul say? He just keeps on going. And he says, I've learned to be content in everything. Man, Paul did not see these as life-defining moments. Nowhere do you see Paul then saying, well, I'm Paul the shipwreck guy. I'm Paul the snakebite guy. I'm Paul the prisoner. No, but he will talk about himself as Paul, an apostle of God, called by God, called of God. You see, because he's not defined by the stuff that happens, he is defined by what's engraved upon the wall of his heart. The truth of God, if you are a believer in Jesus, the truth of Jesus Christ is going to be engraved in your heart. Satan's going to come along and he's going to spray paint some graffiti over that, but you can wipe that clean and see what's engraved there. The truth of who you are in Christ. Now... Paul didn't see those as life-defining moments. He saw the end result that these failures would work in his life. And he was able to say at the very end of his life these words, But you keep your eye on what you're doing. Accept the hard times along with the good. This is right at the end of his life. One of the last things he ever said before he died. Keep the message alive. Do a thorough job as God's servant. You take over. I'm about to die my life an offering on God's altar. This is the only race worth running, and I've run hard right to the finish, and I've believed all the way. What's going to be said of you when you die? They believed all the way, or they were defined by a failure that they had 10 years ago, and they stopped at that point. You hit the pause button on your life right there, and you said, because my marriage failed, because my business failed, because my finances failed, because my ministry failed, because everything I did failed, I'm stopping and God is saying, but there's so much more. You went through the failure because the failure is going to breed success. You're going to start to hate failure so much and you're going to desire success. You're going to press in and you're going to push on to the good things of God. Nowhere did Paul set up monuments to his failures. Yet we've got mental pictures of our failures set up as monument monuments and stuck on, on mantelpieces and stuck on the fridges in our lives with a fridge magnet and we pass by these monuments every day and in doing so we put ourselves in soul Pages, and that's exactly where satan wants us to be some of us make the devil's job very easy you know some of us make the devil's job very easy we say oh you know <laughs> satan's really attacking me right now and devil's saying i'm not doing a thing don't blame me for this you say you're the one that's thinking badly about yourself you're the one that can't get the victory don't blame me we we blame the devil for stuff that we're doing we're our own worst enemy with, with some of us, Satan doesn't have to bother attacking us. You're doing such a fine job of attacking yourself. When you look in the mirror, you look at somebody that you hate, and you have such a go at yourself. And every time you make a mistake, you climb into yourself. Satan's standing by and saying, you're doing a better job than I could. I don't know, I'll, I'll move on to somebody else. You're taking care of yourself there, mate. Yeah? I like, mean, come on. You know? For so many Christ followers, the devil doesn't have to do anything to us. We're doing a better job all by ourselves by bogging ourselves down with failure mania. And some of us have got failure mania. You need to raid the house of your past. Let me just give you a quick scripture on that one. I'm going to explain that to you. This is right just before the Israelites were about to get out of Egypt. They were about to travel to the promised land. God says to them, I'll see to it that this people get a hearty send-off by the Egyptians. When you leave, you will not leave empty-handed. Listen, do not leave your past empty-handed. Let your past pay up. Learn the lessons from your past. Each woman will ask her neighbor and any guests in her house for objects of silver and gold, for jewelry and extra clothes, and you'll put them on your sons and daughters, and oh, you'll clean the Egyptians out. What's he saying? He's saying go to all the doors of the Egyptians before you leave Egypt and you get their stuff. Ask them for stuff and I'm going to make sure that they've, you've got favor in their eyes. They're going to equip you. And just when you thought that your failure had terminated your life, you suddenly discover my failure has equipped me. And I'm about to move ahead and I'm wiser and I'm stronger and I'm closer to God and I'm worshiping Him with greater fervor because of what I went through. Listen, raid the houses of your past. What is it that you've come through? Do not face your future empty-handed. Do not face your next relationship that you're about to get into empty-handed. Learn the lessons of what you've just come through. Learn the lessons. Raid the house of the past. If you've come through an abusive situation while you were growing up, raid the house of that past and say, what did I learn through that? I learned stamina. I learned to stick at it. I learned to trust God through good and through bad times. Now I'm shutting the door on the past. I've got the equipment from my past and I'm moving ahead and I'm going to be more than a conqueror through Christ. That's what it's about. Raid the house of the past. Make your past pay up. You were broken. You were humiliated. You were exposed. You were hurt. You were wounded. You were rejected. It's pay up time, church. It's pay up time. You will raid the house of pain and you will learn the lessons that you do not go. So you do not go around the same bush again and again and again. It's pay up time. I don't know about you, but it's time for our past to pay up and to stop tripping us up and to start equipping us for the way forward. Don't go around. Some of us live our lives. Here we go around the mulberry bush, the mulberry bush, the mulberry bush. We're just like that, you know. And we say, but I thought, I'd, I really thought I had the victory over that. And we, and, and the church gets behind you and they equip you in the center. Come on, make a better go of it next time. And the circumstances come around again. And here we go around the mulberry bush, the mulberry And you're living your life like that. Break the cycle. And say, I'm going to let my past pay up now. I'm going to learn the lessons. And I'm going to move ahead. I'm going to do something. Failure is a life lesson from God to propel you into his purposes. I'm going to give you 5 quick rules for being a human. Number 1, all mistakes are lessons. Learn them. All mistakes are lessons. Learn them. Number 2, a lesson is repeated until it is learned. Hello? <laughs> A lesson will be repeated until you get it. God is saying you just don't seem to be getting it. You keep getting yourself into relationships with abusive guys. And you you get beaten up and something terrible happens to you. Now stop it and start letting me bring somebody into your life that's going to honor you the way that they should. But instead you get back into, we see, I see it, you see, pastors see it all the time. And here we go around the mulberry bush, you got into a bad, but didn't you learn from the last relationship? Didn't you learn from the last bad business deal? All these things, and we keep on making the same mistakes over and over again, and it's a choice. We can't blame the devil. We've got to blame ourselves, and we've got to say, you know what, I've got to choose life. I've got to choose to learn my lesson this time. A lesson will be repeated until it is learned. Number three, if you do not learn the easy lessons, they will get harder. Yeah? you don't learn the easy ones, they're going to get tougher. Number four, God will use pain to get your attention. He will allow a situation to unfold in your life to get your attention. Job went through the most awful, awful trials. But you know what he says, the key verse is Job 42, I think it's verse 4, where he says there, up until now, my ears had heard of God, but now my eyes have seen him. And if you can go through a difficult time and come through the other end and say, you know what, that agony got my attention. I'm no longer just a person who believes in a peripheral God. I'm now fully involved as a Christ follower because my eyes have seen the goodness of God. I've tasted and I've seen that God is good. Life lesson number five, you know you've learned the lesson when you've changed. When you change and you suddenly say, I'm reacting differently. When so-and-so comes around, this person that irritates the living daylights out of me. I've changed. I'm different. I find I'm going into business situations or relationship situations completely differently. I find I'm not panicking about money anymore. But I realize that I'm serving a God who knows that I have need of all these things. And he will provide according to his riches and glory. So I'm not going to worry anymore. Three steps, you might say, but you know, my life is like three steps forward and two steps back. Three steps forward and two steps back. Listen, three steps forward and two steps back is at least one step forward. At least you're moving. At least you're doing something. At least you're moving ahead. And if God is the rudder to your life, let me put it to you that a rudder can only steer a ship that's moving. Start doing something. Start giving God some footsteps to guide. The Bible says that he guides the footsteps of the righteous. But some of you are standing still waiting for God to do something. God's saying, you do something. I'll guide your steps. Give me some steps to guide. Start doing something. But I'm so scared I'll step out of God's will. God's will. God's saying, but my will is to prosper you and not to harm you. So start doing something. But what if I take the wrong job? Hey, listen, a job is a job. You, you take that and then I will guide you. Hello? We get so specific about stuff. What if that's the wrong job? Listen, God is saying that's employment. These are hard times. I've opened up a door for you. Take it. And once you're there, you've made some footsteps. And now I can guide them. And I'll get you to where I want you to be. Hello? Paul Scanlon once said this. He said, people who see failure as an enemy usually end up working for those who see failure as a friend. Should I say that again? People who see failure as an enemy usually end up working for those who see failure as a friend. In other words, the people that see failure as a friend are people that are saying, you know what, I'm going to embrace this, I'm going to learn the lessons, and I'm going to be better next time. People that see it as an enemy and say, bad things have happened, I'm hitting the pause button, they usually end up working for those. Let's see, failure is a friend. Failure is not your enemy. It's in the attempting of things where opportunity comes. People who fear failure will never take a chance. They'll never take a risk. They'll never trust God blindly. Why? Because they want a guarantee of success before they get out of bed. Let me tell you this, people. There are no guarantees, only lessons. (laughs) And a finish line. And how you get to the finish line is determined by how you learn the lessons. Are you with me here? You know what? We all have bad days. Stop taking snapshots of your bad days and start celebrating your victories. huh? Leading business motivator Tom Peters once said, if stupid things were never done, intelligent things would never happen. All roads to achievement go through the land of failure. Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. He once said, all of life's failures... Are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up? Michael Jordan, one of the greatest basketball players ever, said, I have missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I have lost almost 300 games. On 26 occasions, I have been entrusted to take the game winning shot, and I missed them all. I have failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I am a success. Uh Paul says, we will reap a harvest if we persevere. It will not kill you if you do not let it touch your heart, people. Do not let failure touch your heart. It was King Solomon who said, guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. You're going to make mistakes. Don't let them penetrate your heart. Your heart belongs to Jesus. Failure is a lesson that's going to propel you forward into the purposes of God. Stop tainting the well of your heart with the junk of your failures. They had to happen. They were meant to happen so that you could rise up. Isaiah says, rise, shine, your light has come. Listen, if you had nothing to rise up from, he wouldn't have had to have written that verse. But I'm telling you now as a church, I'm going to close with this. Rise up from the junk of your past. Rise up from who you have been and start becoming who you will be in Christ. Rise and shine. Once you've risen, make sure that you shine. Okay, do not let failure grip your heart. Let the lesson grip you and the faith to move on overwhelm you because there is a prize, there is a crown and it has your name on it and you will get there if you break down the memories and the monuments of the failures of your past. Let the blood of Jesus wash you clean from the junk of your past. Stand up, live on, fight on, praise on, worship on, rejoice on, plan on, live on. Do it in the name of Jesus. Why? Because you are more than a conqueror through Christ. Hello? Break that down. Break the chains of the past. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. If you believe me this morning, stand up. Just get into praise mode. Get into praise mode. Start talking to God. Just start talking to Him about something that's impacted you about this. You start talking to Jesus right now. Let's have some dialogue going on. If something about this has impacted your life, start talking to Jesus right now. Start talking to Him. Start talking to Him. There's some people here that, are need, that need to repent of holding on to the past. You need to repent of reminding God of your failures that He nailed to the cross. There's some people here yeah, that need to start getting excited about their future. Because it's there to prosper you and not to harm you. And your past cannot touch you. It's gone. It's gone. Right now in Jesus' name. I'm just going to pray generally over this, over the church right now. In Jesus' name. I pray, Father God, for a release from failure in Jesus' name, from the effects of failure. Father God, we embrace failure as a friend because we know it is going to move us on to greater things. It's going to move us on in Christ right now in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, I pray for a release for those that are stuck in failure mania. We pray for a release from failure mania right now in Jesus' name. For every person that has been wounded and broken in bad relationships, I say in Jesus' name, would you heal? Would you heal? Would you touch people's lives right now? People that have got bad memories of the place that they've come from. I don't know about here, but I know certainly in our church, we've got people that have escaped genocide in Africa, and they've had to allow Jesus to wash away memories. And they've had to start to see those things as something that have propelled them forward into the grace of God, propelled them forward into the plans of God. Where are you at right now? You've never given your life to Jesus. And for some reason, you've held out on Him. And you've said, you know, God, this is for other people. No, it's for you, mate. I want to challenge you this morning. You, if you've never given your life to Jesus, you're not going to get a better opportunity or a better church to do it in right now. So why don't you just put your hand up. You're saying to me, I, I actually want to, I want to switch on to Jesus this morning for the first time. I want, I want to download that heavenly program into my heart right now. If that's you, you saying, I need Jesus in my life. Just slip your hand up. Thanks, mate. You can put your hand down. Is anyone else, as soon as I've told you to put your hand down, you can slip it down again. Is anyone else just saying, I need to connect with Jesus for reals, for reals right now. God bless you, mate. Somebody else over there, you can put your hand down. Is anyone else I want to make a connection to Jesus this morning? Is anyone else? I've got two people's hands. Is there anyone else? How many more people are going to switch on to reality right now and say, I need Jesus Christ? Stop. I'm going to stop living through the pain. I'm going to stop seeing tomorrow through the spectacles of yesterday. I'm going to smash all the worry and the anxiety that I've dragged from yesterday into my today because it's ruining my tomorrow. Is anyone else you want to give your life to Jesus? I've seen two guys hands up so far. You've never given your life to Jesus before and you want to do that right now. Put your hand up nice and high. Father, I want to thank you, Father, for people that have responded, whether it's first time or recommitment. Lord Jesus, I just pray, Father, this will be the first day of the rest of their lives of victory. That no longer are they going to be waylaid and heavily burdened by mistakes of the past and humiliations and failures. But Lord Jesus, that we will realize that when we are in Christ, our failures propel us forward into the purposes of God. We give you all the praise this morning. We give you honor. Can we just praise him a moment? Let's raise the shout of the king in the house. Come on. Just shout out some praises to God. Give you praise and honor, Lord, glorify your holy name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you guys. Thank you so much.